Another update coming from the Queen's office. Another, another. And while I'm here, I might as well do a quick update on the Queen, who we think may still be alive. Or at least pulling a very elaborate Weekend at Bernie's style shenanigan, which I am hoping BBC is in the talks for the rights to this story. In which case, she may be dead, and they're just waiting to release the comedy, because you can't do that at the same time of the death of the Queen. If this is what's happening, I would definitely watch that movie. I would too. It would be great for ratings, I think. Awful is like a human thing, but let's face it, that's kind of how awful. these things... It is, it is. We're an awful society at the end of the day. Exactly, and that is how these things work. Okay, so now for the real topic, which does warrant a trigger warning. So this update does contain details on sexual assault and Jeffrey Epstein. This one is hot off the press. To continue the update, it's not so much on the Queen herself, but rather the stripping of Prince Andrew's military titles and royal patronage in the wake of regular person Andrew's lawsuit. From here forth, we're going to call him Andy. Yes, I think that uh, Andrew, in fact, is an honorary title for Andy's. Exactly. Too fancy for him. So Andy. British Andy. Yeah, British Andy. We do have to specify. Yes, (laughs) not regular Andy or North American Andy. So Virginia Jeffrey is suing Andy, British Andy, in a civil case in New York, alleging she was forced to have sex with Jeffrey Epstein's friend while she is underage, including the Duke of York, the previously known as the Duke of York, now known as Andy. Andy, formerly known as Duke of York. Yeah, now he's known as British Andy. This is all while being sex trafficked by Jeffrey Epstein under the direction of Jelaine Maxwell. The lawsuit seeks monetary damages for battery and the intentional infliction of emotional distress. British Andy denies all allegations. He also says that he does not recall ever meeting her despite the existence of a photo that shows him in Maxwell's house standing next to Jabri. Stripping of the military titles and so on, it's actually been ongoing for a little bit here, comes after British Andy was unable to dismiss this lawsuit against him and will now be going to court. I think the more correct way to state it is evade because there was a part of the saga where he was like ducking cover in the Scottish royal palace and taking along in part of the queen's entourage so he couldn't be served papers for this lawsuit. Well, that's nice. Yeah, man. Like once you're done this part of the story, we can talk a bit about Andy's saga so far. Yeah. And I don't even know if he gets a last name now. I like what happens. Is it I don't know. literally just British Andy now? Like, I don't think there's a lot of people known as British Andy. So I think you could go <laughs> by it. I don't think that the royals technically have last names. I think it's more of the land they rule over, I think is how it works. But I'm not like all up on the royalty. Because royalty. we don't have land. We get last names. Right. right. We are peasant folk. We have last names. <laughs> That's just how it works. Like, I know they're part of the House of Windsor. I'm going to continue. Okay. Yes. U.S. Federal Judge Lewis Kaplan. I repeat, Lewis Kaplan. Do we remember him? I feel like we're supposed to. Why don't you educate us? I feel like you should go back and listen to all the episodes and figure it out yourself. Oh, good. Just kidding. (laughs) Take that, you lazy listeners. I did the research for you. So... He is from one of our favorite episodes and things to follow up on because we've had many follow-ups on this one. The Ecuador episode. (gasps) Yes, he's from the Ecuador episode. And on what I said I had for new stuff on the new update I'm doing, because this is the only update I've done, I was just reading an update on the Jelaine Maxwell case. And I'm just going to read you this. Okay. Elaine Maxwell will no longer fight to keep the names of eight John Doe's secret and will leave it to the court to decide whether the name should be unsealed according to a January 12th letter to federal judge Loretta Preska, the Southern District of New York. How was this all happening? Are there only two judges in New York? <laughs> Apparently for high profile cases, yes. Yeah. Loretta Preska is also from, she just... She's the one who was put on the, what uh, Don Zinger's put in jail for, right? Yes. She sentenced him, I think. Yeah, for, oh, what is it? God, why am I And he was found in contempt of the court. In contempt of court. Thank you for not handing over those documents. Thank you for your legal prowess when it escapes me, Chelsea. (laughs) I've been waiting my whole life to do that. 
I literally just read that as I was getting ready to do this episode. So I just thought I would throw it in there there. It has nothing to do with it. I'm not talking really about Jelaine Maxwell at all, though it is related kind of. Anyhow, back to Lewis Kaplan, who was also related to the Ecuador case. He did good this time, refusing to dismiss this case after hearing arguments from Jeffrey and the Royals lawyer on Tuesday, January 11th. So British Andy's lawyer argued that Jeffrey's lawsuit should be dismissed as she waived her right to sue Andrew when she signed a $500,000 settlement agreement with Epstein in 2009 following her lawsuit against him, which accused him of trafficking her for sex. The document states that the plaintiff agreed to, quote, release, acquit, satisfy, and forever discharge Epstein and any other person or entity who could have been included as a potential defendant, end quote. In his judgment denying the Royal's motion to have the civil case dismissed, Judge Kaplan said that the agreement between Epstein and Jeffrey cannot be said to benefit Prince Andrew at the time, as the language was too ambiguous. The Queen's obviously trying to distance herself from her family's ties to Jeffrey Epstein and sexual assault as regular Andy is her son. I didn't know that. I was looking up how he was related to her. Oh, yeah. It's her youngest son. Charles' little buddy. Yeah. Charles is also an amazing person. They all are, really. Technically, prior to that queen taking away all the titles, should there have been a mass death in Charles' family, the crown would have gone to Prince Eddie or Prince Andy. <laughs> now, no, British Andy. Eddie really suits him, though, now at this point. Yeah. Because he would really be the people's king. Yeah. <laughs> also without a title. Shitter's full. <laughs> okay. After this turn of events, it's been made clear by the Queen in a statement issued by the palace that the Duke of York will continue not to undertake any public duties and is defending this case as a private citizen. There is a big hate on for a regular person, British Andy, in the UK right now. He was, and I did not do research on this, I just came across it a few times, so I'm ad-libbing here. He was not doing any public duties after he was associated with Jeffrey Epstein in the wake of and put on timeout. Yeah, he was in the wake of his trial. And when Prince Philip had died, he was interviewed and people were pissed that he even talked to reporters because they didn't want to hear from somebody who was a what would you call it? It would be sex criminal, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that I'm losing a lot of words um, tonight. This has been ongoing for a little bit, as I alluded to earlier, and people are pissed. They do not like British Andy anymore. There are just a few concerning things here, if not and, a lot. Sorry, yeah. I need to go back to one thing. Do people actually like British Andy at any point, or do they just forget he was in existence and every now and then he would say something and it would have the royal title yeah i don't know how people felt about him before this i know people don't like charles generally does everyone like princess diana yeah and charles is kind of a twat yeah so he really stayed off the radar in my book so i was impartial before learning about all of this but that i can only speak for myself on this i don't know yeah my view of british andy here was sullied in 2019 when these allegations first came out and he took it upon himself to do a bbc interview where he emphatically said he had no recollection of meeting uh, virginia jufre and that he was instead eating pizza with his family that night and he could specifically remember the name of the restaurant he was eating at and then he said that the allegations were all wrong because he could not sweat. It was a medical condition that he got from his service in the military. And he was saying this all the while sweating the entire interview. There's a slight problem with, 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 with the sweating um, because uh, I, I have a peculiar medical condition, which is that I don't sweat um, or I didn't sweat at the time. And that was, oh, actually, yes, I didn't sweat at the time because... I um, ha had suffered what I would describe as an overdose of adrenaline in the Falklands War when I was shot at, uh, and I simply, it, it, was, it, was, it was almost impossible for me to, to, to sweat. On that particular day that, that, that um, uh, we now understand is the date, which is the 10th of March, uh, I was at home, uh, I was with the children, I'd taken Beatrice to uh, a Pizza Express in Woking. Why would you remember that so specifically? Why would you remember a, a Pizza Express birthday and being at home? Because 
Going to Pizza Express in Woking is an unusual thing for me to do. He knew exactly where he was that way, so why would he be sweating? Yeah, exactly. It was just the hot lights of the oh interview. And so just... anyhow, it went so great that his mom canceled his birthday. Like, his mom canceled his 60th birthday party. Oh, jeez. Shandy's had it rough. Yeah, these royals or something else. I didn't even know. I think there's three kids. Earl, yeah, they have a sister, don't they? Andy and someone else. I have no idea. I think I saw three. Well, we'll just wait for some sex crimes to come out and we'll we'll learn the third. Probably. Yeah. Okay. So why I find these things concerning. Number one, the sexual assault. Number two, that this is not a criminal charge. It's a civil case which I think Taylor may be able to elaborate a little bit more on to explain the difference between a civil case and a criminal charge. A civil action is under the common law, and anyone can bring an action against anybody really that follows under the common law. Um, you would just have to be able to prove your case in court and prove damages and prove your case on a balance of probabilities. There's also a lot less political action involved in a civil action. Criminal action has to be brought by the state. And this, at least up until a couple days ago, was a member of the royal family of another country who generally has diplomatic immunity. So that's partially why that happened. Uh. All the uh, criminal laws in the UK come from the Queen. So they're kind of a by the law. Like the queen doesn't even have a passport because technically they're all issued in her name. So she just travels on her name. This is too much. Okay. So I would like to see him have a criminal charge. Does it, is this even something that would be possible to do? There could be. Um, it would most definitely not happen in the US because I believe Epstein's Island is not. Um, part of the US. It's somewhere else internationally. Um, I don't think it's its own country, but I couldn't tell you specifically where it is. So the US would have no jurisdiction to really charge him. They either have jurisdiction to charge a crime that happened in their jurisdiction, or they have action to bring a charge against a US citizen, regardless of where it is. This is all very messed up. So the UK may very well have the ability to bring that charge, but, but that might they? piss off his mom. Yeah. I was just going to say, would they being that? He basically died a death when his name changed to British Andy. Yeah. Even so, that's still his mother. So would she bring criminal charges against that or would she stop them and just be like. Just more spankings, I think. Yeah. The, which is messed up. Okay. Especially for punishment to sex crime. The other concerning thing I find here is that had this case been dismissed by Judge Kaplan and kept quiet, it's very likely that he would not be stripped of anything right now. And we'd still be referring to him as Duke of York, Prince Andrew, right now, even though it's clear that he has been up to no good. And just what we we're talking about now, like they're essentially above the law in the UK because mommy is pulling the strings. She travels without a passport. That's all we have to say. So that's the end of my update. I just want to say that I am mildly happy to see some of these people coming to justice. And by some people, I mean a small percentage of this being that this is hot on the hills of Jelaine Maxwell's guilty verdict, which actually sounds like it's being appealed right now. And yes, and it sounds like there, there was something wrong with one of the jurors. I can't quite remember what it is, but it sounds like they might actually get a retrial. Yes, I can't remember what it was too, but I read it and it's escaping me again because everything's escaping me right now. Yeah, like I think like one of the jurors was a victim of child sex trafficking or something like I that. I think so. And they said that it weighed heavily on their... Their conscience, yeah. Yeah, for how they... Voted. Something along those lines. If you're curious, please go look it up. And also, a lot of people, especially in the conspiracy world, are concerned about Maxwell's health and safety. And now that she is saying that she's going to turn on these eight individuals that she will now name. Ah, true. Um, That's very true. No kidding. But it also sounds like they've already been named in a letter. Is that not how it was for? I did not see anything about a letter. Okay. 
And I'm uh, not sorry, sure I why all of a sudden she's going to give all this up. Um, very weird. Because uh, it's going to keep her out of jail for a longer time. Oh, yes. Okay, that all makes it's sense. It's going to go towards the sentencing, which, again, uh, she has been found guilty. She has not been sentenced, so we don't know how long she's actually going to stay in jail. Oh, hopefully it's a long time. I'm going to be very disappointed if it's not a long time. I mean, we'll see with her turning names over. Yeah, something to watch as well. Also, we have British Andy as well coming up, which is royalty. So, I mean, Jelaine Maxwell was Jeffrey Epstein's right-hand man. British Andy was royalty. Not so much anymore. But these are two people who were skirting around everything for a really long time. So, while it's not a lot of people, because if you're familiar with the case, of course, there's been a lot of famous people who are associated with Jeffrey Epstein. And hopefully with these People just, you know, coming up and being talked about in regards to this case that we just see more and more names added of people who are guilty and brought to justice. And it's not just the big politics names like Trump and Clinton who are both very wildly photographed with Epstein. I don't understand why they were so willing to be photographed. Like, it just seems so weird. But many CEOs and fairly successful people, there's a photo of Elon Musk with uh, Jelaine Maxwell. Yeah, uh, he tweeted that he barely has any interaction with her and it just happened to be somebody took a photo. Take that as lightly as you need to. Exactly. There is, of course, Bill Gates's very awkward interview where somebody asked him about his relationship with Epstein and he very awkwardly explains he thought he could get like uh, good charity donations on that and then keeps talking and eventually says, well, he's dead, so we don't need to worry about this. Oh, my gosh. Is there a lesson for you, for anyone else looking looking at this? Well, he's dead, so... uh... You know, in general, you always have to be careful. Uh, All these people just giving interviews in relation to this, just stop. Um, so obviously with all these names, uh, they're people with a lot of money and power who have been able to operate a long time without any repercussions. So I look forward to who else will be potentially added in there. And I hope it's all of them. Yes. And with that, I think we can start our episode. From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Hello, and welcome to Journey to the Fringe. Look, we're just as confused as you are as to how we all ended up here, but we're going to do the talking, you do the listening, and I think we can get through this all in a reasonable amount of time without drawing suspicion. We are your podcast hosts, Taylor and Chelsea. And today we talk about a subject that is curiously thought of as something that is simple enough for a five-year-old to understand, and that is the concept of time. Sure, they may have a weird idea of how it passes with five minutes feeling like forever, but they're expected to at least understand that it passes from point A to point B, and tomorrow comes after today, but not before the sleep that happens in the middle. That's how it all passes, right? Well... Maybe not. I have a sneaking suspicion that time is more than we make it out to be. We will have definitely an episode more in depth on just what the fuck time is at a later date. But for now, we're just going to talk about the mistakes that time makes every now and then. Those things being time slips. The way we're going to start this off is first off explaining what a time slip is. And from there, we're going to move on to some notable stories brought to you by yours truly, Chelsea over here. And we are going to move from there into what I believe falls under, if not the same heading, at least an adjacent heading to time slips with its regards to paranormals and folkloric material. Now, Chelsea, I think I'm going to turn it over to you to bring us into the entry of this episode. Sorry, the app. Okay. Am I doing the talking or the listening? You're doing the talking. I'm doing the listening along with this other person here. And I'm just trying to define everything in this episode. I did the appetizer just here or is the... Yeah, I think that's the appetizer. Yeah. We could talk about this outside of this, but I'm trying to define, I believe the intro is the aperitif to start this, then the appetizer, then the entree, and then I guess my part is the side plates that we're all going to share at because this is a Korean meal. I am hungry now. The reality we live in, 
we're in the present pretty much just exclusively and we can't really go anywhere but here there is nowhere else to go but the present really have you been anywhere else but the present no the present is a gift to us we must accept it exactly and you go forward in the present you never go back in the you present. just continue to the next present unless you're just static in the present but it seems like we're going forward but it all feels a little bit claustrophobic when you put it that way we do have a past and a future but generally we can't not go to the past nor the future so we just sit here stuck living in the present technically we don't even live in the present we actually live in a few microseconds in the past just because our brain takes all of its input materials coming in your vision your hearing your taste your other senses and it needs to interpret all of that right it needs to interpret it all and then put it out as if it's all happening right now so this present that you're experiencing is actually somewhat in the past okay so we're living a second in the past or two depending on how slow your brain is oh man we're missing on that gift <laughs> damn it but is time really what we think it is probably not what i'm actually talking about is a time slip not the gift that is the present i've seen the definition put a few different ways and we don't really know which way the slip is actually occurring or what's going on Maybe it's like on a case-by-case -case basis, so I'm just going to read a few. Number one being a time slip refers to a paranormal phenomenon in which a person or a group of people travel through time, thereby witnessing events of the past via unknown means. Being the paranormal phenomenon part about it because it is unknown in which means this is happening. A time slip happens when a moment from the past spontaneously intrudes on the present through seemingly unexplained means. That's just another way of saying unknown means. Chelsea, quick question here. Just in case you weren't following. Yes. Does Quantum Leap fall under a time slip? No, that would be some sort of machine. Okay. Very good question. Great show as well. Highly recommend. I did see it just recently on somewhere. Okay, I need to go watch that. Someone told me to turn it off. That was such a good show. <laughs> It was such a good show. I'm glad to hear you say that because someone told me to turn it off. The difference between a time slip and time travel, not that time travel is happening, I think is that time slips happen without reason, hence the slip portion of the name, and usually for a short period of time, and there are no machines or mechanisms coming into play. Time just and did just an oopsie-daisy. Did I do something? No, time did. Time did an oopsie-daisy. Yeah. Just now? <laughs> it might have. I don't know. All I got right now is okay. the presence, <laughs> and then what I'm perceiving is my memory of the past. <laughs> okay, I need to go back just a second because okay. I don't think I clarified enough with the time slip. One mean is somebody happening into the past, and the other is the past like intruding into the present, if you get what I'm saying. Okay. You know, stay with me. Okay, I'll hold my questions then. No, question it. Okay, just the past slipping into the present. We did discuss this somewhat in our paranormal lingo. Residual hauntings. Yes. yes. Ghosts that continue on their ways, despite the fact that it's not clearly their ways of time. Yes, that's a very good question. That wasn't a question, this... that was a statement. Do you want me to turn statement. it into a question? It's a very good statement. I thought I heard a slight intonation at the end that was a question, but it wasn't. But that's a really good statement. I forgot what it was. Yes, I guess when you really think about it, that could be because there's no interaction or anything. And you're seeing a ghost doing something that it always had as always go back and listen to spooky lingo you're seeing something play out as it had so that would be the past coming in to the present i guess when you put it that way i hadn't really thought about it although at the same time sorry let's get into the stories i don't yeah, want to spoil okay. anything okay the stories aren't coming up yet that was a time slip okay <laughs> they will come shortly so what does a time slip entail why it entails a witness Obviously, does a tree fall in, in the woods make a sound? It needs a witness who either experiences an observance of a past scene or others who have reported being fully immersed in a scene that was visited. Sometimes surroundings are reported to have an abnormal feel to them, being underlit, out of place, muffled, or unfamiliar sounds happening, or foggy. Yes, foggy. 
It's always that fog is so creepy. Oh, actually, keep that fog in mind for later. Yes. Or just picture yourself listening to this whole thing in fog. Keep that with you. Most are taken aback from old-timey dress of others who are suddenly around them, and others don't even think anything is amiss. However, when they try to find a building or other article they experienced, it's gone. And I know you need some more context with that, but you will see some in the examples coming up. Okay, so now here's the stories that Taylor spoke about. That was a time. That was slip a time slip. Two minutes from the time he said that. I'm gonna start with one of the more well-known time slips. My well-known time slips, maybe not yours, maybe not anybody else's. But I have come across starting with the affectionately named Moberly Jordan incident. August 10, 1901. That was a long time ago. Two women, Miss Moberly, headmistress of St. Hugh's College for Women in Oxford, and Miss Jordan, a former student who assists Miss Moberly in her duties decided to visit the Palace of Versailles in France as a part of several trips around Paris. Starting with the palace, which they didn't think much of, they decided to walk through the gardens to the Petit Trianon, but after reaching the Grand Trianon, found it was closed to the public. After walking a while, it appeared that the two ladies were lost after apparently missing the turn for Main Avenue. Moberly notices a woman shaking a white cloth out of a window. At that same time, Jordan notices an old deserted farmhouse with an old plow sitting in front. They feel the feeling of oppression and dreariness come over them. And that's when they spot two men dressed in green coats and three-cornered hats, carrying spades. They thought they must have been palace gardeners, so they asked for directions and they were told to go straight on. Jordan then makes another observation. A cottage with a woman holding out a jug to a girl in the doorway, and upon recalling it, she described it as something like a painting. The atmosphere seemed to have changed and everything suddenly felt unnatural, which therefore felt unpleasant to her. Quote, even the trees seemed to become flat and lifeless, like woodworked in tapestry. There were no effects of light and shade and no wind stirred the trees, end quote. As the woman continued walking, they reached the end of the wood near the Temple de l'Amour, where they came across a man seated beside a garden kiosk wearing a cloak and a large shady hat. Moberly described his appearance as most repulsive, his expression odious, his complexion dark and rough. Jordan added, The man slowly turned his face, which was marked by smallpox. His complexion was very dark. The expression was evil and yet unseeing, and though I did not feel that he was looking particularly at us, I felt a repugnance to going past him. The ladies felt panicked by this man's presence. Just an aside here, would you notice smallpox on somebody? Would you be able to identify that? It wasn't eradicated by that time. Okay, okay, that all makes sense. Thank I wouldn't you. be able to, but... But like, I think it was eradicated from Earth in the 70s and kind of lost its actual widespread appeal, I guess. Let's let's just say that way in the 40s. So it still would have been a thing in the early 1900s. OK, that totally makes sense now because I was like, what? OK, so fortunately, after seeing this grotesquely described man, a better looking tall man approaches them with large dark eyes, crisp curling black hair under a large sombrero hat, which seems rather out of place in Versailles. But here we are. He shows them the way to the Petit Trianon. Walking and as they cross the bridge to reach the gardens in front of the palace, Moberly notices a lady sketching on the grass who looks directly at them. The lady was wearing a light summer dress and a white hat with fair hair. She thought to herself how old-fashioned her dress was for a tourist, and Jordan did not see this lady, which will make sense in a couple seconds. I'll get to it. They returned to the palace and joined a party of visitors, toured the house and had tea at the Hotel de Reservoir before returning back to Paris. Neither woman spoke about their time looking for the Petit Trianon until about a week after leaving. Moberly asked her friend if she thinks the Petit Trianon is haunted, just given the odd feelings that she had there. And without thinking twice, Jordan replies yes. Almost immediately, it was a yes. So they decide to write about their experiences separately to compare, and the pair thought that they might have seen events that took place on the 10th of August, 1972. 
I believe seventeen seventy-two. I believe that's a wrong number because <laughs> that is in the future. I think it's seventeen seventy-two, but I could okay. be mistaken. Seventeen ninety-two. Okay. Okay, you just got the that nine and the it. seven backwards. Okay. Okay, seventeen ninety-two. That was all it was. I got a thing mixed up. Okay, so this was six weeks before the abolition of the French monarchy, and the woman morbidly witnessed, she believes, was Marie Antoinette, the one that was painting, and the tourists seemed to be wearing old-timey clothes as she was painting as they crossed over the bridge. Upon returning to Versailles, they visited the Trianon Gardens, even so far as to return several more times, and they were never able to trace the path they took when they got lost. Various landmarks were missing, including the kiosk, where they saw the disturbing looking man and the bridge plus the grounds were full of people where they only encountered a handful of people in 1903 an old map of the trianon gardens was found and showed a bridge that the two women had claimed to have crossed that had not been on any other map and did not exist in the time period they thought they were there which was that present after doing much research they came to believe the disturbing man they saw by the kiosk was comte de vaudrill of friend of Marie Antoinette. They did end up publishing their story in 1911 called An Adventure. It is much more in detail than what I just spoke about. Mine is just a Cole's Notes version, really. It's a super interesting story. I hope I relayed that here. Well, I really do hope that a book that they're selling is longer than the story you just told. Yes. And in much more detail, that's for sure. So that leads me to my next story, which is Time Slip Hotel. This one takes place in 1979. This one is 78 years after this one in Versailles. So 1979, two couples from Dover, England were traveling through France and Spain on a holiday. The Simpsons and the Gisbys. I really like Gisbys. It's a nice last name. On their first day after they boarded a ferry taking them across the English Channel to France, they rented a car and proceeded to drive towards Mont... Mont... Montlimar, I'm sorry, French people, <laughs> to find a place to stay. They found a motel where Mr. Gisby went inside and was told by a man in a uniform that there was no vacancy, but there was a small hotel down the road. So they continue down this cobbled street, and they're driving and passing very old buildings. They pass a very old poster advertising the circus, and something about the whole thing feels off, but they can't put their finger on it. The whole thing just seemed rather old-timey. Just weird. Just general weirdness. There was never any fog mentioned, though. They finally come upon two buildings, one a police station and the other an old-fashioned two-story building bearing a sign marked Hotel. Inside, everything was made of heavy wood. There are no tablecloths on the tables. They didn't see phones or elevators. Welcome to Europe, am I right? <laughs> As the British would think. Exactly. Everyone's always taken aback on their first time. They were able to get a room and they were tired, so they were staying. The manager did not speak English and the two couples did not speak French, so there was little to no communication other than what I assumed to be grunts and finger pointing, but they were able to make it to their rooms. The rooms were in line with what they had seen of the rest of the hotel. The beds had heavy sheets and no pillows, no locks on the doors, just wooden latches. They shared a bathroom, which only had old-fashioned plumbing. The windows had no glass in them, just simple wood shutters. They described it as quaint, obviously. They're picking it apart, but it's quaint. After unpacking, they went down to the dining room where they were served a simple meal of eggs, steak, and potatoes, and a lager, then retired to bed. In the morning, they had breakfast in the same dining room where they had horrible black coffee and were struck by some oddly dressed individuals. First, there was a woman carrying a dog under her arm and it looked like she had just come from a ball, but it was 7 in the morning. Two policemen then entered the room to eat and were wearing odd uniforms like nothing they had seen before. Their uniforms were deep blue and the officers were wearing capes over their shoulders and their hats were large and peaked. Capes. Always love a cape. I don't get why that went away from the police uniform. They'd be a I lot less intimidating than capes. Anywhere, any, anytime. They should make a comeback. They should. I just watched the Seinfeld with Mr. Costanza's lawyer that was wearing a cape. I don't remember that one. You don't remember that one? 
No. And he said it's Cape weather. It's kind of breezy. It's not too hot, not too cold. <laughs> Anyhow. So that didn't stop the good time. They went back up to the room, snapped a picture of their wives standing by the shutter windows, and they were out of there after a quick photo of the hotel itself. So after the car was packed, they went to pay their bill, which was a shocking 19 francs. And I don't know how expensive francs are. I don't know if that's high or low. So either way, good or bad. I assume it was very little though. After picking their jaws up off the floor, they paid in cash and they were out of there. Again, down the quiet road from whence they came. So the couple spent an enjoyable two weeks going around Spain and upon heading back, they decide they want to stay at that hotel again. The price was unbeatable and they had an interesting experience in their quaint hotel. So they found the turnoff, the same building, the same signs for the circus, but the hotel was gone. They drove up and down the street looking for it three times. They even went back to the original motel to ask the clerk about it and he had no idea what they're talking about. The couples eventually gave up and spent the night somewhere else, but it was just weird to them that it just up and vanished. And upon their return home, they developed the photos they took of the ladies at the hotel and the hotel itself, and they had vanished as well with the hotel. The hotel took them. They were not on the negatives or even in the photos. They weren't defective in the negatives. They were just simply gone. The couples were quiet about their experience, only telling a few friends. One was a bit of a history buff and found that the police officer's outfits were identified to date from 1905, which would have been like 73 years prior to that. And eventually it did get to the media and the rest is history. So that was the story of the Time Slip Hotel. Next one. This one I found particularly intriguing because I hadn't heard about it before and it was a gold mine of time slips which is Bold Street in Liverpool, which time slip central. And there are massive forums on YouTube channels and Reddit and pretty much anywhere you can have a forum on the internet of people sharing their experiences on Bold Street in Liverpool. No, it doesn't happen to everybody, but it happens enough that people come together and share their experiences. And for the most part, people seem to be slipping back to the 50s and 60s, which is odd. I was thinking it too. So let's have another story. Bold Street, 1996. This one's recent. An off-duty policeman named Frank was going to meet his wife, Carol, in a bookshop called Dylan's when suddenly a small bog van that looked like something out of the 1950s sped across his path that had the name Cardins on the side. It was honking its horn as it narrowly missed him. He looked around and noticed that all of the other cars driving past were also old-fashioned vehicles, not just the one that almost killed him. More disorienting still, Frank saw that Dylan's bookstore now had crypts over its entrance and that there were stands of shoes and handbags in the window instead of books. The only other person not wearing mid-century dress was a girl in a lime green sleeveless top. As Frank followed her into the old woman's wear boutique, the interior of the building completely changed in a flash and it was once again a bookshop. As with the spell of deja vu, the experience was short-lived and time was regained, obviously. Cripps was later determined to have been a business in the 50s and Cardins was a firm that owned vans around Liverpool around the same time. Since I told you this was a hot spot for time slips, I might as well share another quick one with you. By the way, that was the end of that story. Next one. Imogen decided to go into Liverpool one day to buy her sister Abigail a few things for her new baby. Upon arriving, she was happy to see a new mother care store that had opened up on the corner of Lord Street and Whitechapel, which is in the area of Bold Street. She wanders around this mother care store, picks up a few baby items, and she was surprised to see how cheap these items were, but thought they were an offer as the store had just opened. Taking them to the counter, she tried to pay with her credit card. Staff member looked at her suspiciously and went off to get the manager. When she came back, she looked at the card and told Imogen that they didn't take the cards. Disappointed, Imogen went and put the items back as she didn't carry any cash with her. When she got home, she told her mother what happened. Her mother was surprised and really puzzled. The store closed years ago, she said. There is a bank there now. In fact, that's where I have my account. Where's Imogen been? Imogen obviously doesn't believe her, so took her mother back to prove a point, where sure enough, the store was not there. Rather, a bank, just as her mother said. Told you so. There are some people that theorize that's the end of that story. I need to start ending my stories. The end. <laughs>
So just in regards to Bold Street, there are some people that theorize that this is due to some sort of, I don't know, like electricity, maybe. If you look at LSD in the water, that's probably the best. Yes. There's something going on in Liverpool that we want to know about don't want to know about were there ever pools of liver i've actually always wondered that electricity maybe so if you look at a tube map subway for the liverpool underground railway system you will notice that these high voltage rails form concentric circles the center of which is roughly under bold street and over to brooks alley the theory says that none of the time slips go to an era prior to the railway being built that's not necessarily. That is interesting. I know. Correlation does not mean causation. It does not. I think it's the most interesting one that I've seen put forth to something happening other than, I don't know. So yeah, I just thought I would read that because I thought it was quite interesting about that. And Somebody has to ask Liverpool where they're getting their trains from, if this is what's going on with them. Yes. And what kind of electricity they are using. Maybe it has to do with the circles. Maybe. Maybe they accidentally made a satanic symbol. Yeah. We don't know. Somebody, if you're from Liverpool, please. If you're from Liverpool, please. And you've had a time slip. First of all, let us know. If you know about these circles and what's going on with them, please tell us. If you're a city planner from Liverpool. We will keep you anonymous. Promise. Yes. We always have our promise on that one. Okay. So one more, which is just a small minor one, but I feel like it does have to do with time slips as well. I've heard and seen quite a few of these stories, so I thought I would just finish off with it. And these are ghosts encountered by individuals as kids or teenagers, like in their younger years, in which they grow up to have the exact scenario play out and have the realization that that was them in the future that they encountered as a child. If you get what I'm saying. Okay, so kind of like Harry Potter in the third book. I wouldn't. You can be... just roll with it. Don't worry. It's it's spot on. I don't want to commit myself to it. I've never read it. Okay. <laughs> this is all what Taylor said. I'm just going to share a quick story of this. This story recounts as a girl, she used to see a woman in a blue bathrobe in her room. Her hair was long and messy, a reddish brown. I didn't see her face because she was usually turned away and I used to mistake her for my mom. Years later growing up, the poster's daughter slept in the former bedroom. One day I realized I was wearing the same blue bathrobe, same hair and everything when she made the realization that it was actually her that she encountered as a child. The time slips do work the other way. I know I didn't cover it when I went through what entails a time slip. I never said you time slipped into the future, but that is possible as well. Having an encounter of seeing your future self. I guess, as a ghost. It's almost like a waking deja vu, which ties it right back into France. And what is going on on that English channel we see there? Yeah. Because everything seems to revolve around it. That end, you know, we're English. So that's where most of the stories come from. <laughs> yeah, but that's all I have for you. So I will let you go with it now. Before we finish this, I do have a quick question. Why is there such a preponderance for British people to experience time slips? All the stories are about British people. They really were. I don't know why. Is it just because they're the only English-speaking group on the European continent where all of our history has taken place? It was the only ones that I could read. Just kidding. Because I do understand that like, we don't get Asian, African, South American stories as often, but it, it is interesting not, that this no. is at least how it happened. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can say about that is I specifically went looking for four first of all the versailles one heartbreak hotel is the other one <laughs> that i have come across a few times so i thought i would share that one i wanted to go with the better known ones and <laughs> i did not realize i focused so eurocentric to be honest there are other ones yes there are and especially if you want to expand your radar past just this flip backwards in time uh you can also become unstuck in time as described by kirk vonnegut in Slaughterhouse Five, where the narrator has become unstuck from time and he experiences the book in a random order. There's much more to it. It's actually a pretty good.
good read for a somewhat normal book that just has some weird science fiction elements thrown into it. How confusing would that be to be like going through life just at a ran at random points? Yeah, and especially to have it all kind of at least alluding to one big event in your life. Good book, recommend it. There's an audio version on Spotify if you want to check it out. You end with the best. I didn't say you do. Now, when I took the topic of time slips away, I went a different direction with it, and I thought of it more so as a, well, the particular area I'm going to be talking about is when time just slips away from you. And this is more on the paranormal side of it, because we have at least alluded to in many points in our discussions, missing time. And these can span as few as minutes to as far as hours, days, years, just depending on the stories you actually look at. A lot of these are more folklore, but at the same time, there are real incidents we are going to be talking about all over the map. Now, there at least has been the idea in folklore of slips in times or drastic jumps in time for a long era, at least in the Western world. Even in North America, this great tale of Rip Van Winkle who is an amiable farmer who wanders into the Catskill Mountains where he comes upon a group of dwarfs playing nine pins. Rip accepts their offer of a drink of liquor and promptly falls asleep. When he awakens 20 years later, he is an old man with a long white beard and the dwarfs are nowhere in sight. When Rip returns to town, he finds that everything has changed. His wife is dead, his children are grown, and George Washington's portrait hangs in place of King George III's. The old man entertains townspeople with tales of the old days and of his encounters with the little men in the mountains. That is just one such tale. It was written by a Dutch author prior to, well, in New York when it was still under the rule of the Dutch or at least had a strong Dutch uh, cultural influence at the time. Rip Van Winkle, that sounds so familiar, like I've heard it before. I always think that it was, do you remember playing that Mario random game on that Apple computer we used to have? And you could play Go Fish with Super Mario? Yeah, and there was Rip Von <laughs> Fish. But I do like that that's where you're drawing a similarity. <laughs> And I think we can agree that his first mistake was taking a drink of whatever it was he was offered by the elves. First off, they were dwarfs, which is more than likely the Dutch equivalent of an elf. Second off, he might not have been in fairyland, which is where you're not supposed to accept the drink. You can accept the drink in normal okay, land. Well, then what the hell did sometimes. they give him? Dwarf moonshine. Yeah. That would take some time away from your... <laughs> That would line. take some okay, time to okay, recover okay. from. Those are my things I had to say. When this story was written, it actually drew influence from old Germanic folklore tales, which have very similar ideas. And in fact, you can see a lot of these same motifs in a lot in stories with regards to interactions with the fairy folk, the fair peoples, the elves. Which is where I'm going to take this a little bit next. In the 1891 publication of The Science of Fairy Tales, the folklorist Edwin Hartland devoted three chapters to ponder over the supernatural lapse of time in fairyland. It makes it clear that this motif is deeply embedded in worldwide folklore and mythology. From a wide variety of chronological periods, he suggests that the consistency of the story elements involving the strange relative movement of time in fairyland must stem from a common mythological theme. Within these supernatural lapses of time, the tales there are essentially three ways that time can behave in distinction to normal reality. First, that time stops in the outside world whilst in fairyland many years can pass with the human participant living a life of enjoyment or suffering with the fairies. The protagonist usually breaks a taboo of some sort and finds themselves back in the real world where no time has passed. These stories are in the small minority. More often the time dilation moves the other way. Two, this can be quite a drastic shift so that a character spending days or weeks in fairyland comes back to consensus reality to find decades or even centuries have passed or three that a few minutes caroling with the fairies turns out to be any length of time up to a year and a day once they return to the world they came from here are examples of a few of these stories and these are very generalized there's no one ever specifically named so we're just going to go through them and take them as somewhat of folklore that kind of have an emphasis on the time slip so shepherds in wales were commonly transported into fairyland 
usually after joining the fairies in a circle dance. One 19th century tale has the lonely shepherd doing just that on a hillside, after which he finds himself in a glittering palace with pleasure gardens inhabited by the fairies. He lives there for years, even taking the chance to get involved in some romantic attachments with the beguiling black-eyed female fairies. But despite being warned off the fountain, which is filled with gold and silver fish, in the middle of the main garden, he can't resist overturning the prohibition, and one day inevitably he plunges his hands into the water for a drink. Pronto, he finds himself back on the cold Welsh hillside with his sheep, during which no time at all seems to have passed. Although not the same type of time slip that you've talked about i do think this does fall under the umbrella of time passing while yes. no time is passing at all that that would fall into some sort of time slip i feel that's time having an oopsie daisy yeah which i think is the true definition of a yeah. time slip getting around time somehow anyhow i'd like to find a way to do that yeah in a natural sort of way yeah one year in one day <laughs> no i feel like that's necessary. important it is weirdly important in one of the stories um i will get to that after this next story just because it falls in the one two three order this is a story of oisin oisin is a poet of viana and falls asleep under an ash tree. This is in the 18th century. He awakes to find Niam, queen of Tir Nanog, the land of perpetual youth, summoning him to join her in her realm as her husband. Loved up, off he goes with her, and finds himself living in a paradise of perpetual summer where all good things abound, and where time and death hold no sway. But soon he breaks a taboo of standing on a broad flat stone from where he is able to view the Ireland he had left behind. It has changed for the worse, and he begs Niam to give him leave to return. She reluctantly agrees, but asks that he return after only one day with the mortals. She supplies him with a black horse, which he is not to dismount, and gifted him the wisdom and knowledge far surpassing that of men. Once back in Ireland, he realizes that decades had passed and that he is no longer recognized or known. Inevitably, he dismounts his horse, and immediately his youth is gone, and he becomes an enfeebled old man with nothing but his immortal wisdom. Oh, no. There is no returning to fairyland of Tyr Nanog. In other variations of the story, the hero turns to dust as soon as he his feet touch the ground and of consensus reality. That sucks. That is a fairly common story of people leaving and coming back and just... Uh, huge amount of time has passed so that they don't know anybody and it's always kind of alluded to that they can do certain things to keep their youth but they generally screw up along the way yeah we are human and strangely enough just so we can talk about this now the one year and one day appears to be the time from which you can pull somebody back from fairyland. Many tales say that if somebody goes missing, a wise man tells them to return to the same spot they went missing one year and one day after that initial event, and they're able to successfully pull the person back into their realm. This feels important. Like, we need to write this down. Like, I wonder if this has anything to do with, like, missing 411. Like, those people that go missing. Like, hmm. look back. You know what? I've never actually thought about that. From Journey to the Fringe. Let's see if this applies here. Yeah, one year, one day. This seems like yeah. we should try it. And listener, please take a note. Uh, this is one of the few times that we ask you to take notes. Please pull out the same piece of paper and write it down immediately preceding the previous note that we have asked you to take and they are there for a very specific reason yeah thank you now most of the time we'll tell you not to do something that we tell you to do on this podcast but in this case we want you to write this one down take note one year one day it may save your life one day or and if someone else yeah thank you for listening to journey to the fringe for our sage advice you get one here and there <laughs> we appreciate that people take our wisdom seriously when it does come out let us know what else you have in your notes email us <laughs> <laughs> this is not confined just to the folkloric portion of our society this idea of time slips also falls under many other paranormal flags one of them being the uap or the ufo phenomenon there are many different stories of people experiencing a ufo and experiencing missing time at the same time either several minutes go by several hours when minutes should have gone by or vice versa or days or even weeks go by when they think just minutes have passed probably the most well known for this is the story of travis walton who claims that he and his friends were driving home in a truck one night and saw a bright light coming from the forest 
Walton and his friends stopped their truck, and Travis got out of the vehicle to investigate the strange light. A large beam of light shot from the vehicle and onto Walton, which causes him to pass out, and Walton's friends, seeing this all from the vehicle, immediately speed off. Uh, basically go back to town that's saying that a UFO killed Travis. This is a very well-documented event, generally called Fire in the Sky, because there's a very famous movie made about this. It's a good movie. It takes some creative interpretation on the entire story, though. Travis Walton later wakes up in the forest where he had been abducted earlier, and he's wearing his clothing backwards from as he remembers passing out. There are obvious signs that his clothing had been removed during his alleged encounter with the aliens. Walton originally had thought that he had been missing for only five hours. However, Walton later learned that he was missing for five whole days. Again, this is an interesting story in itself. Maybe we cover it at a later date. But that is not abnormal in the abduction or UFO sighting community to have missing time. Hell, Betty and Barney Hill, who we covered, I believe, in the episode uh, Close Encounters of the Second Kind, clearly missing out on a large portion of the story. <laughs> in which we didn't talk about the most infamous part of the story. Yes. You're welcome. Yeah. You were listening to Journey to the Fringe. Anyhow, they realized something had happened that night on their drive home. When they arrived home two hours later than expected with no hiccups in the drive. And neither of them could remember a certain portion of it. I pulled another story. It's called the A70 incident. It was newly declassified secret government X-Files revealing that a two-page report on what became known as the A70 incident was sent to the Ministry of Defense's UFO disc in 1996. Four years later, after the mysterious encounter on August 17th of 1992, near the Harpereg Reservoir, and this is in Scotland. Document headlined, Unexplained Aerial Sighting is based on evidence provided by Mr. Wood, then a 33-year-old ambulance technician from Edinburgh. He and his friend were on their way to the village of Tarbax in southern Lanarkshire. When the incident happened about 10 p.m. at night, they spotted a black object in the sky above them. It had no lights, was round at the bottom, and had three parts to it, and it was about 30 feet wide. Mr. Woods was driving along the A70 when the object dropped a curtain of white light in front of the car, and Mr. Woods and his friend blacked out for what seemed like 10 to 15 seconds. They thought they had died. Then they woke up. The car was facing the other direction on the wrong side of the road. And when they checked their watches, they had lost about an hour. The story does go on, but I think that's enough for what we're talking about. They do talk about the actual experience with the aliens, but we're talking about just the time loss. So I can leave it there. <laughs> that's all we want to hear about right exactly. now. Exactly. The time. Within the paranormal community, it is not just UFOs that take the entire cake when it comes to time slips. There is another phenomenon called mysterious or electric fogs, and they are just so bizarre and bring us full circle back to the beginning of this episode, a little bit after the appetizer when you started digging into the entree and Chelsea mentioned her fog. Remember that time when I said I make a note? I do remember that. You flagged it for me. I flagged it well. Mysterious fogs are associated, the biggest thing they're actually associated with are the Bermuda Triangle, which I find somewhat hilarious. I'm torn on the Bermuda Triangle. There are many things about it that are just so captivating, but also some that just make it seem very mundane. And there are also very many triangle areas out there in the world that people believe have paranormal activity associated with them as well. Yes. Anyhow, electric or mysterious fogs have a tendency to disrupt any type of instruments that are brought into them, including watches. Many people experience significant time slips or end up mysteriously traveling to another location that they weren't anticipating. I have a few stories here, which I find just so bizarre. And one of them was actually printed in a newspaper. It was in a 1959 issue of the Diario de Cardoba. It's an Argentinian daily newspaper, at least at the time it was. And here's the story. Shortly after checking out of a roadside hotel in Bahia Blanca, Argentina, a businessman got into his car and prepared to continue his long journey home. Almost as soon as he positioned himself in his seat and ignited the engine, a strange, thick, white mist came out of nowhere and seemed to envelop his vehicle. He couldn't see anything out of the car windows other than the fog that pressed against them. He began to panic somewhat and believed he may have even passed out, as the next thing he knew he was standing in a field near a lonely road in the middle of nowhere. His car was nowhere in sight, nor was the hotel he had just walked out of. A heavy-duty truck making its way down the road brought him back to his senses a little, and he went to the roadside to hail it down. 
He asked the driver if he could take him to Bahia Blanca so that he could locate his car. The driver looked at him dumbfounded. He informed the businessman that Bahia Blanca was about a thousand kilometers away. They were currently in the town of Salta. At this point, the businessman looked at his watch and saw that only minutes had passed. The driver took the businessman to the nearest police station and upon hearing his report, police would contact their counterparts in Bahia Blanca. The officers there confirmed that the businessman had indeed stayed there, even more spine tingling when a policeman went to match the businessman's registration plate to his car, he found that the vehicle was indeed outside the hotel. What's more, the engine was still running and the keys were in the ignition. I just find that- What happened? Yeah, it's a stretch to say that that's missing time, but- That is such a good story. He had to get there somehow, so I'm saying that that was the missing time. Yeah, that could have been time travel. Yeah. It was through paranormal means because it wasn't a machine. No, although that- Plus it's machine fault. Yeah, the cloud might be a machine, we don't know. Can you imagine? I can't even imagine if that happened to me. No, that would be... I don't know how you cope with that. And I do have another story. Apparently this happens in Argentina just all the time because this story also takes place in Argentina in May of 1968. Dr. Gerardo Vidal was driving in the area of Chascomas, Argentina, with his wife when a strange cloud appeared to descend upon their vehicle. In what seemed an instant, both Geraldo and his wife Oh, I have misspelled it. It's Geraldo. Dr. Geraldo Vidal. Okay. Both Geraldo and his wife awoke in their now stationary vehicle, and it was now daytime. Even more bizarre, they would soon discover that 48 hours had passed and they were no longer in Argentina, but on a quiet road in Mexico. They were 6,400 kilometers from their original location, and perhaps in a final twist, their car still had a full tank of gas. No explanation has ever emerged as to what happened to the husband and wife, but scorch marks on the car appear to suggest exposure to heat for some time, leading some who have researched the case to suggest that they arrived in Mexico almost instantly after the fog ensnared them, where they sat in the heat for the following two days until coming to. Creepy. That's creepy. What's going on in South America? Note to self, do not travel to South America. Yeah, I would much rather take the European approach to time slip, as that seems to be the much more forgiving style. But man, Argentina, just just a, yeah, watch out for clouds in Argentina. Yeah, stay away from Argentina clouds and go to Bold Street. You can still go to Argentina, just watch out for clouds. Run the opposite direction. I'm sure they're not moving that fast. And probably something about one year and one day. We don't know how this works. But that, I think, is our episode on time slips. And I think the great philosopher Philip Fry summed it up best. Time makes a fool of us all. It clearly doesn't always work the way we intend it to. Maybe we need to shut it off and start it back up again, but I don't know how, so we're stuck with the time we've got. Yeah, it does seem like I don't know what it is, and... I don't know. I've always thought, or maybe I heard this somewhere, that just from the way that the Earth is rotating and going around the sun is we are kind of stuck having time the way that we interpret it. However, it could be working a lot differently than how we see it, the sun rising and setting as we know it to be. It even necessarily does work itself differently. If we ever become a spacefaring civilization, we would have to reconsider what we actually call time. Good point. Because even our communications, once you get to a certain point, would take years to reach each other. And how do you even establish what is the present when those two communications reach both when they're sent and when they uh, are received. Yeah, and then once you get into space and you're traveling a lot faster, then you are perceiving time a lot differently than we are experiencing on yeah. Earth. It also concerns me slightly that the time slips seem to have a fairly firm end time. Like, they don't go that far back. Like, the fact that humans have been on Earth for some 200,000 years, and hell, the There's Earth no is... dinosaur time slips, and yeah. I would never want to happen upon a dinosaur time slip, especially if it was interacting with me. That would be scary. I know something that I have read that I... Sorry, I should have brought this up earlier in the episode. They seem to be tied as with the ghosts that we are talking about, which I cannot remember what they were called. Do you recall? Residual them? hauntings. Residual hauntings are tied to something where there was experienced a lot of emotion or something like that. 
Um, so you see a lot of time slips happening in what's the battlefield in the United States? Gettysburg. Gettysburg. There's actually a lot of time slips happening there. I don't know what is happening on that street in Liverpool. And that does make a lot of sense because emotions weren't invented until the 1700s. Exactly. Dinosaurs didn't experience emotions. Dinosaur ghosts are a different topic completely. I'm putting my money on the Nkole Mbembe being a dinosaur ghost. ghost. Yeah, same with Loch Ness and probably Ogopogo. That could explain everything, you guys. You heard it here first. This episode is not about dinosaur ghosts, so forget we Nor is it sponsored anything. by dinosaur ghosts. Exactly. Yeah. They didn't have enough money to pay us yet. But a lot of these things are tied to higher emotions. It, I'd be interested if there's any happening in Asia or the Middle East or Africa. Unfortunately, we don't have the language skills to really look at we that. We do not have it, that's for sure. Have you listened to Or this at podcast? least they're not sufficient <laughs> enough. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but that's what they seem to be tied to as well as the residual hauntings where you're seeing scenes, which are also we just maybe researched something new on this one and made a tie between time slips and residual hauntings. I don't know that I've ever heard that before. I'm still concerned. Like we know British people have gone to Italy and nobody, at least British, has said that they've traveled back to like seeing the assassination of Caesar. Uh, there Julius is a Caesar. tie there, isn't there, with the British and seeing these time slips? Yeah. I cannot confirm nor deny whether anybody has seen Caesar in a time slip, um, nor do I know if he was experiencing great emotion at that time. I'm guessing, but also few theories here. One is that, in fact, emotions as we now use them were only invented at least at the earliest, the late 1700s. Two... The time prior to 1792 never actually happened. <gasps> and people have just been making up the history. That is just another twist on the time slip episode. And three, that time is somewhat restrained to Earth by its gravitational pull. However, eventually escapes at some time around 300 years. We all make very good points here. This is a breakthrough episode. Yes, and I'm glad you guys brought your pen and paper. So please write down any of your theories as to what may be going on here. Yeah, let us know. Journey to the fringe at gmail.com. Maybe the aliens are from the future and they're accidentally experiencing the time slips. That's true too. But they seem to be not as confused about where they are. Maybe they are. We don't know they're not confused. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe they don't experience emotions. We don't themselves. understand these future emotions. <laughs> we have no idea. Maybe that's why they took emotions away. That's fair. Stop the time slip. <laughs> and with that, I think we have ourselves an episode. Chelsea, anything to finish off with? Thank God. No, I was busy finishing it off there. Okay, good. But I think those are all my ideas. But if you happen to be representatives of the dinosaur ghosts and looking to advertise, please get in touch with us, journeytothefringe at gmail.com. If you are not in any way associated with dinosaur ghosts, thank you still for listening. I guess we'll see you next week and see what you may be associated with at that time. Okay, bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review, as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes, or tell us that we're wrong and terrible, either way, please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. For now, I'll see you in the next episode. Uh.